Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. That's okay. All right. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Yes, good? Okay, yeah. Um, that's right. I am Pastor Jaina, and you just heard that, but... Um, I am so, so honored to be uh, sharing a word with you guys today. Um, If you don't know me, I'm married to Pastor Dale, and we uh, are so honored to pastor this church together. I do function as a youth pastor here at the church, so it's kind of like Youth Pastor Preach Sunday um, across the world, Um, and just because it's just, that's tradition, so we decided we'd uphold the tradition and have the youth pastor preach today, and... um, I kind of laugh because the youth pastors always preach on the day when nobody's there. And so thank you for coming. It's awesome. <laughs> but I love it too. Like, let's be honest. Um, today is also kind of a hinge day, you know? This is, we're going into a new season. We're entering into a new time. And so, like I said, it's a great honor for me to be able to share the word um, with you. And um, we just want to welcome you here to Life Assembly. If you haven't been here before, if you're kind of new, man, we are just going after Jesus together. We have so many awesome things on the horizon. And um, we just encourage you to to jump right in with us and, and be a part of, of what God's doing here. Man, we believe for this city, and we believe that God has called us to actually make an, a profound impact on this city for the kingdom. And so we just ask that you would just, um, man, go for it. Just jump in with us as we head forward in this. So um, I just want to say that um, my husband is amazing. I just thank you for the opportunity to let me preach, and I am so thankful that he's the pastor here. And, and um, I'm thankful that you guys get to get to see him and know him um, in, in his best um, way. You know, he's a father. It's one of the beautiful, most beautiful things about him is he's a wonderful um, father. He loves people deeply, um, and he's safe. And, and I just really I love that about him as, as, as a pastor. I hope that you love those things about him as your pastor. So I just really want to recognize that he's, he's awesome. And I feel blessed that, that to be married to him. We've all, we're almost 20 years, man. So uh, it's been a while. Um, all right, so hey, we're going to start, uh, we're talking today, I don't know if you looked in your bulletin, but uh, today we're talking about passion for God, passion for God, and I'm going to start with some scripture, so if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles, if you have them, we're going to Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, Luke was a good man, he wrote a good word in chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, verse 36, it's on the screen if you need it, here we go. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, and then she kissed them, and she poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were truly a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylander. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, 
But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you so much, God, that, uh, that you have given us your word to speak to us. And I pray, Father, that you would just do that now, Lord, that our lives would be transformed from this moment and from this day, God. I pray, Father, that the hearts in this room would never be the same. And I ask that you would just really move among us in power today. Lord, we just desperately want to seek you passionately, God. And I pray that today would be a day of igniting that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Have you ever been in a situation where you experienced an awkward hug? Anyone? Anyone? Like you went in for the hug, but the other person was going in for the handshake, and then it gets really weird, and you're doing this dance thing, or you go in for like a good Christian side hug, and they go in for like a full frontal A-frame Minnesotan thing, and then it's really weird and awkward, or like you go to hug somebody, and like your cheeks brush or something, and you're like, oh, like what just, what just happened, right? I mean, like this week, I was at North Central, um, I... Um, and I was, saw my son Liam, and I got to spend a little bit of time for him. And Liam's my son, and I love him. And at the end of our, our time together, I went, and I went to hug Liam, and I went to give him a kiss on the cheek. But at the last moment, he gave me a little extra squeeze, because he loves me, you know? And it was so funny, because I went to kiss him on the cheek. He gave me a squeeze at that same moment, and I kissed him on the neck. And I was like, what? That was like awkward, right? So anyway, so I was just like thinking about that, and it made me think like, who was the guy who invented hugs, right? Like, I'm thinking, this guy, like, he was, like, smart, right? He was like, hey, I'm going to figure out a way to, like, embrace somebody or get real close, right? But then I think about, like, when we hug people and how weird it is, right? Because, like, you see a person, and, like, maybe you haven't seen them since, like, 10th grade biology, right? And so there you were, and, you know, you sat, like, you know, a couple rows away in biology, but you know them. And then you see them in, like, public, and you go in for this this embrace? Like, what is that? Why do we do that? It's weird. But it's because I think we want to show people that we care about them. Or, or It's almost an act of passion, right? It's an embrace. It's something to connect with people. It's a closeness. And um, man, I was just thinking about that when I was thinking about this story. Isn't that funny weird? Because I was thinking about this act of passion. Have you ever known like um, Hispanic aunt? Does anyone have like a Hispanic aunt hugger? Okay, yes. Okay, like Hispanic women are the most amazing huggers in the world. I don't know if you've ever been embraced by Hispanic woman. Oh, we have a friend, and she, when she hugs you, like, she literally, it's two arms. She, like, lifts you up off the ground, and it's so fun, and I love it so much because you just feel, like, so much love in that moment, and I just feel like it's just a, a passionate thing. Hispanic women are passionate in my mind. So, sorry if you're, <laughs> if you're offended by that. I think it's beautiful. But passion, passion, passion. What a powerful thing passion is. And uh, I just want to say that it shouldn't be weird to talk about passion in the church, right? Because we live in a passionate world. We do. We do. You are passionate about something. Yeah, some of you are looking at me like, wait a minute, I'm Norwegian. <laughs> like, we don't get, we don't really get passionate about anything. And I just want to say that last weekend, 
me and a couple members of my family um, were downtown Minneapolis, and we were just hanging out, and there was a Vikings game going on downtown Minneapolis. And I will tell you that y'all are full of passion because it takes passion to put on a shirt that is exactly the same as everyone else around you and to paint your face in half or to take your pregnant belly and paint it, right? Or like get tattoos of like this team to go to this game and cheer for what? What are we passionate about? Passionate about some guys who we don't know throwing around a piece of leather trying to get it, like, over a line while they harm each other physically. Like, we're, like, so passionate about this, and we'll do, like, the craziest stuff in the world. And so don't tell me that we don't live in a passionate society. But then we come to church, and we're like, man, how much longer are we going to stand? Oh, I, like, you know, I don't know. I, I have to pee, okay, I guess. Oh, man, we're singing this song. I don't like this song, man. Or we come to church and we like hands in our pockets. Maybe we were like this, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, what person out there wants to come here when they could go to a Vikings game instead? You know what I'm saying? Passion. Passion. Now listen, I'm not about saying that in order to be passionate, you got to act like me or look like a crazy fool or paint your face or put on some shirt or whatever because you can be passionate without saying a word. And I want to say, point that out in this story this woman was. This is a woman who, in her town, she was known as a sinful woman. You don't get that reputation by stealing a candy bar from the store down the street. She was known as a sinful woman, but somehow, somewhere, she knew that Jesus was coming. She knew that he was going to be in town, and she did everything she could do to find out where. This woman, she gathered up her most precious possession. This oil that she brought to anoint Jesus' feet with, this oil was her future. This oil was an investment that was 300 denarii. That's what we'll read a little bit later. This oil was like a year's worth of wages. This was something that, that people would invest in. They would invest in it so that they could have a future. This woman knew Jesus was in town, and she gathered up her most precious possession, and she went to find him. How did she know that Jesus was there? How did she realize that maybe she would be received by him? I think that she'd seen him around. You know, Jesus had been teaching and doing miracles, and he'd been doing amazing things. And, 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 and he'd also been mocked by the Pharisees, mocked by the religious leaders, right? So she may have been there when Jesus was teaching or when Jesus reached out and touched somebody and, and cleansed them from uncleanliness or when Jesus did some great miracle. She may have seen it, and then she thought, what about me? She may have heard the Pharisees mocking him, saying, he eats with sinners. He hangs out with people that are less than. And she may have thought, wait, maybe, maybe, just maybe, he'll see me. 
So she gathered up her most precious possession, and she set out to find him at a man named Simon's house. Simon was a Pharisee. His house was clean. His house was holy. His house was not a place that would be acceptable for a woman like her. She went, and everywhere that Jesus went, there were crowds of people. You see this everywhere. You know, we have these stories about Jesus teaching in a house, crowds gathering outside of the house so much that they had to go on the roof, right, to let down a friend or whatever. There's crowds of people. This woman fights her way through crowds of people to get where Jesus is. There she is. She's looking. I believe that she had her hair down, covering her face. She did not want to be seen because when she was seen, the people would murmur things or perhaps shout them, saying to her, whore, unclean. How dare you come into this place you don't belong? And she gathered this, this precious oil and she fought her way through these people who did not want her there. And she fought her way through ignoring the comments she'd been hearing her whole life, ignoring the things that had been put on her as who she is, her worthlessness, her lack of value, her nothingness, and she fought her way in. She comes to the threshold of the door where Jesus is and there's probably servants there. She's going to enter a room full of religious people. Religious people that if they touched her on the street would be made unclean. Religious people that if they came in contact with her filthy self would have to go through a bathing process of purification so that they could then do religious things. She walked in, head down, I believe, cradling her precious ointment. She looked up into the room and all eyes were on her, and I think she was searching for the one, the one whose eyes she may have met when she saw him touch a leper. She searched for him, and I believe that at the moment his eyes collided with hers, that she knew it was going to be okay. She knew it, and she took courage and walked forward to him. Now, she didn't even think herself high enough to reach out and touch him anywhere but the bottom of his filthy feet. And this woman, when she got to him, she looked upon him, she fell at his feet, and she was so overcome, completely overcome with the truth of who he was and his love, and I think the look in his eyes that she wept. She wept so much that her tears fell on his feet, and she was so embarrassed that she wiped them away with her hair. Then she took her precious ointment, her future, she poured it out over his feet. And she did that no matter what those around her were saying. I think this was an act of passion. I don't know many more acts in the Bible of passion that match this other than Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross. I think there's four things that we can learn from this woman about being passionate for God. If you have a notebook, go ahead and take it out and write a note. Otherwise, you can just write it right in your Bible. It's the best way. Um, number one, she sought him out. She sought him out. She heard about Jesus, and she knew she had to get where he was. Have you ever had that feeling? Let me ask you a question. Have you been in a place where inside of you it burned? 
It burned so hard that you knew that something was working inside of you and you could not deny it. I have been in services in churches where somebody is speaking. I remember one specifically, and somebody was speaking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it burned inside of me. And I knew that if I did not move, that I would be disobeying God. I had to go. And I've been in services. We were in North Dakota in a service where Dale's brother was there, and this preacher was preaching, and his words were not even complete. And all of a sudden, we hear this groaning, and Dale's brother is crawling down the aisle because he had to get to the altar because he knew Jesus was there. Have you ever experienced what this woman did? She knew he was there, and she had to get to him. She sought him out. Can you imagine? This woman was a sinner. People did not associate with her unless they did. Do you know what I'm saying? She went to people, and she said, I heard he's here. Where is he going to be? Can you imagine what they said to her when they looked at her, and we were like, wait, why do you want to know? Who do you think? You, you think that he wants to see you? Excuse me? Do you know who you are? Do you know what you've done? Oh, you have that precious ointment? How'd you earn it? You think he wants to even look upon that? Oh, can you imagine? She didn't care. She did not care. She knew he would be there. She had to get there. She sought him out. <sighs> Number two. She stepped up. This woman got to the threshold of the door. On the threshold of the door of a Jewish home, especially a home of a Pharisee, there's a little box on the corner that contains a scripture. It contains a scripture that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. You will, you will love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in a little box. Then kiss it when they go in the door to show honor to God's word. And you think this woman, when she came to the threshold of that door, she looked up and she saw that box. That box said, oh, it doubled her shame doubled the condemnation that she felt because she knew this place was holy. She boldly, she boldly stepped through the threshold. She boldly stepped through the door. She stepped up to Jesus. When I think about boldness, I think about children. Children are bold, aren't they? I laugh to myself. I, I mean, there's so many ways that children are bold. I love children. Um, I remember Asher when he was little. He, we had this friend named Larry. We called him Big Larry because he was huge. <laughs> he was big. And I remember Asher when he was little. He'd go up to Larry and he would pat him on the belly and he'd say, Larry has a baby in his belly. <laughs> Like, Larry was like a guy who'd kill you. You know, Dale used to get rides to work with Larry to and from where they were working. And he thought maybe one time Larry was just going to kill him and dump his body. He just wasn't sure, you know. And so, like, he was that guy. He was in prison for years and years and years. And so he was in prison because of a huge federal raid with, like, helicopters and stuff. Like, he was a bad dude. But then he became a Christian, right? But yeah, and little Asher would go to him and say, Larry has a baby in his tummy. It was awesome. And then I think about it a couple weeks ago. I know. He was he's a good guy. I love Larry. And I was thinking about I serve in kids' ministry. I don't know if you know that. On Sundays, often if I'm not here, I'm in kids' ministry serving. And I was in kids' ministry and sitting down, and a little guy was sitting next to me, and he was poking my arm. And he says to me, your arm is so squishy. It's so jiggly. He's like, 
that's funny. And I thought, you're very bold. Like, nobody says that. Don't be washing my arms now while I preach. Okay. But all I'm saying is like this. <laughs> right? But boldness, you guys. I think when we had children, when Dale and I were younger, we had three little kids at home. And we also were foster parents. So we had foster kids in our home. And when you have a lot of kids in your home, man, your home is full of life. It is loud. It is amazing. It's noisy. And it's fun. And it's also ruined completely like the carpet is ruined the the couch is ruined like everything is ruined but it's beautiful and children are amazing they are incredible but they're very very bold when kids get older that's when they become more subdued isn't it you can have nice things again man that's not the way it's supposed to be in church yep Boldly, she came boldly. Number three, the third thing that we can learn from this woman is that she was willing to sacrifice. This woman brought her future and she laid it at the feet of Jesus. She laid it at the feet of Jesus and she didn't even know what the response was going to be. She could have left it behind she could have walked more securely in what her future was going to hold. She took everything and she laid it at his feet. She earned this money probably by prostituting herself. How would Jesus receive it? Would it be acceptable? She was willing to sacrifice. I remember so clearly a time in my life where I felt like I was at a crossroads. And like I needed to sacrifice something to the Lord. I remember very clearly because I was at a church that we were working at at the time. And I was praying in the sanctuary. And there were other people there working. But apparently, at some point during the time that I was praying, they left and armed the building. So the police came because the alarms went off. So it's a very memorable time for me. But not just because I set the alarms off and had to deal with the police for being in a building, but because it was a time where I laid something so precious to me in my future on the altar before the Lord. And let me tell you, it was hard. But I knew that I came to a crossroads where I had to look at the Lord and I had to say, listen, this could be my plan for my life. This could be my future. This could be it. I could do this and I could be successful or I could have a future, but yet I am willing, Lord, to give this up because your plans are what I want. Your future is what I want. And let me tell you, I laid on that altar dance. And for some of you who know me and some of you who don't, I grew up a dancer. I am a dancer. Um, and now I do work in dance. Can you believe it? Can you believe that I laid it on the altar before the Lord? I was willing to lay down my dance career and the potential for the future for him. And I did. And for over a year, I had nothing to do with dance. I didn't. And it was so funny because there I was managing a coffee shop, totally not doing anything or thinking anything about anything except trying to serve Jesus. I didn't even enter my mind because I laid it down. And somebody came walking into the coffee shop and said to me, Hey, I heard that uh, you teach classical ballet. And I was like, 
excuse me? Like, word is not out. <laughs> like, I don't do that. No, but it was the Lord. The Lord, this woman was a Christian, and she knew. And it was so interesting because it was like the Lord gave dance back to me with such a powerful way. And now, none of, not all of you know this, but some of you do, that in this time, right now, well, yesterday was the last show, but there's dance that I've created and worked on that is reaching people in the Far East because God restored and gave me a future that looked different than the one that I thought but I was willing to sacrifice it for him. God doesn't always resurrect our sacrifices. Sometimes he replaces them. But he is amazing and he's a good God. And I just want to say, this woman, in this time, she was willing to sacrifice everything. And the last thing that this woman, I believe we can learn from this woman today is this. She stayed. This woman went into this room. All of the people around her looking at her. I'm sure that the looks on her fa their faces were a mix. Some of them may have had looks on their faces like of terror. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, some of them had looks, I'm sure, of horror that somebody so filthy would enter their midst. And we read in the account that I read earlier that the host, Simon, he thought thoughts in his heart like if Jesus knew what type of woman this was, he wouldn't let her touch him. In the midst of this situation, this woman stayed. She didn't know if Jesus was going to kick her away, if Jesus was going to reject her like they did. She did not know what was going to happen, if she was going to be used as an example. She did not know, but she stayed no matter what the consequences, because she had to love Jesus passionately. It was passion that drove her there and to her knees. It was also scandalous. You know, the Pharisees always got excited when Jesus did something scandalous <laughs> because they were like, oh, this is when we're going we're gonna, to, yeah, like, get him. This is when we're going to get him, you know? And so they, they got excited, and um, Jesus really came against their excitement because he read one of their minds. Simon was thinking, man, bad things about this woman. And Jesus said, I see you, Simon. I know what you're thinking. But let me ask you a question. And he tells a story about two people who are in debt and how one borrowed so much and one borrowed so little and both debts were forgiven and which one would be more grateful. So he took their response to her and he turned it into something incredible and beautiful. And let me tell you what, he turned this woman into something incredible and beautiful because instead of him becoming defiled by her touch, she became undefiled by his. She risked everything that day, this woman. And um, I think that we just can follow her in some ways, you know, not all of us carry what she carries, that amount of shame, but we can certainly love God passionately. It doesn't cost us anything here, if we're honest. And I have a question for you, and that is this, how can we love him by half? How can we love him by half? This God, if you read Genesis chapter 1, where he created 
the earth with his words. And he created mankind. And the very first things he did after he created mankind was that he blessed us. And then he gave us gifts of the whole earth. This God who his very greatest acts of, his very first acts towards mankind were acts of blessing and love. How can we love him by half? This God who sent his son to take our place on this earth so that we could have salvation and reconciliation with him. How can we love him by half? You know, Revelation, John writes a letter. He writes a few. But uh, in one of his letters, he writes that he knows in Laodicea, excuse me, to the church in Laodicea, he writes, I know your works. They're neither cold nor hot. I'd rather that you be cold or hot because if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You know, that's a really hard word for us today. And I, it's a cultural reference. At that time, when they went to a feast, they either drank cold or hot things. And just it was their culture. If somebody served something lukewarm, they just wouldn't have anything to do with it. And so, as harsh as it sounds, it was pretty cultural at that time. But I want you to see this. John is so gracious, and in his goodness, he's got a word for them. You know what the word is? Change. Change. There's power in Jesus' name. This woman knew it. He held all the power. She knew what she had to get to him. There's power in worshiping him. There, you know, when we come before Jesus in worship, some of us, this is really the only time we pause life so that we can even get in his presence. This is it, right? Some of us have craziness, and I get it. I live in a house that's kind of crazy, <laughs> and it's really, really hard to pause house and worship. And so we come into this place, and we connect with God. We have this opportunity to be here and to, and to connect with him. God doesn't exist here. Y'all know. Y'all the church. You are the church. You have the spirit of God in you. Yes, yes, yes. But there's something special about the altar. And there's something special about the sanctuary. And there's something special about coming together with other believers in his presence. Well, I want to say this. Some of you, maybe you're here and you just don't feel it. Like you've been coming to church. You've been doing the church thing. And you're like, listen. Like, it sounds nice. Passion for God. Woo, sounds good. Um, when's the game start, right? And um, you're just not feeling it. And, and, I, and I get that. I totally get it. You know, I don't think that this woman in our story in the scriptures woke up and was like, man, my life is awesome. Woo! You know? I love this life I've been given. This is exactly what I planned. I don't think that was her experience, right? And I know that we sometimes walk in that experience. And sometimes when we're in that place, it's really hard for us to feel connected with God. I get that. I get that. I want to say this to you. It's really important. You are connected to God. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, one of the greatest acts that he did was clear the church. If you don't know the scripture, it's pretty powerful. It's the last week of Jesus' life. He comes into Jerusalem, and instead of going to the place where the Senate was, he turned and he went to the church. He gets to the church, and what does he see? He sees people selling and buying uh, the right kind of money and the right kind of sacrifice and, and making money off of people who are just trying to come and worship. Jesus got into that place, and, and, and he got mad. 
And we have this like saying that we put over everything. Oh, my house will be called a house of prayer. Good. Yes, Jesus said that. Amen. Tonight, let's make this a house of prayer. But Jesus, in that moment, his act of passion and his act that is, was an act of anger, he did that to connect with you. Because when these people walked into that place, a regular person walked into that place, do you know what? They came into the courts of the, the church and, and, and everyone was there to tell them, you're not the right gender. You're not the right culture. You don't have the right heritage to be here. You don't have the right money. It doesn't have the right face on it to be acceptable to God. You don't have the right stay out, stay out, stay out, stay out. And Jesus said, no, no more. Jesus said, I am clearing this because this place is for my people. This place is for you. Jesus did everything to connect you to God. And even more so, he laid down his life. And God, the God of heaven, he so desperately wants to connect with you that he gave his son. He's done everything to make a way. You are connected with God. You are. You are. God is so passionate about you. This God is God. He knows the number of hairs on your head. The Bible calls him a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's the morning star. He knew you before you were formed. He named you. He gave you purpose. God loves you. God loves you passionately. And my prayer for us today is that we would be able to take a few minutes while the worship team comes up. And uh, think about your lives. I, again, it's going to be an opportunity to worship man. And if you feel the Lord tugging on your heart or you feel that burning inside of you, that you need to get into a place where you connect with God, then by all means, connect with God however you need to because that's what this is about. You don't come here, get your kids out of bed, fight them all the way, right? Get in the car, yell at each other, swat back behind you, try not to cuss, and then say, I'm going to pull over if you do one more thing, or any of that stuff. Fight your way out of the door to come to church. You did not do that to sit here and do nothing to connect with God. Our coffee is not that good, okay? You are here because inside of you, there's a desperation and a hope. You know this is true. You have to connect with God. You come here so that you can touch God. And I know there's a lot of fear that comes along with that because we live lives that have been so shamed. Shame has been heaped upon us. But let me tell you, shame does not belong to you. That's a lie from the enemy. And God wants to connect with you today because he took everything out of the way, including your shame. And so here's what I want you to do while we sing these songs. Take a few minutes. And I want you to learn from this woman. Have you sought God? Have you been in a place where you knew that Jesus would be there and you sought him out? If you haven't begun there, then begin there. Jesus wants relationship with you. If you have not yet come into a position where you recognize that Jesus loves you, he loves you. Man, this is the time to seek him, okay? Seek God. And then the Bible says, if you seek him, you will find him. He'll meet you. The second thing I want you to think about is this. Have you stepped up? Have you crossed the threshold and been willing to step up 
to where Jesus is? Have you stepped up? Have you been bold? The Bible says boldly come before the throne of grace. God commands us to come boldly before him. I mean, that's amazing. Come boldly. Have you stepped up? Three, have you sacrificed? Have you been willing to lay your life down for the life that he has for you? That's hard, man. We're Americans. <laughs> we, we love life. The Bible says in the last days, men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of lust, or fulfilling their own desires. We live there. We love ourselves. Ooh, so easy to love ourselves, isn't it? We'll do anything to, to, to love ourselves, to show ourselves love. We talk about it all the time, self-care, self-love. We love ourselves. We love money. Man, the stock market goes up, stock market goes down. I mean, people go nuts because we love money, you know? And we love lust. Some of us, we love lust in a sexual way. Some of us, we love lust in, in a way that we just want to fulfill our own passions as much as we want because we deserve it. We love these things. We're passionate about them. But are we passionate about God? And are we willing to sacrifice some of those things at the altar for him? And the fourth thing is this. Are you willing to stay? Are you willing to stay? There's no safer place than a church. Well, there shouldn't be. Correct myself. Let me rephrase. There's no safer place than this church for you to stay and determine in your heart that you are going to seek God, you are going to get something from him because his promises are true. They are yes and amen for your life. And you can stay because if you stay, God will reach out and touch you like he did this woman. And he said, woman, your sins are forgiven. Go in freedom. Man, some of us need to be set free in this place today. So I want to invite you while we sing. Take some time. Go where you need to go. Be where you need to be. And worship God. I'll come back and we'll close out. Oh, you can stand up. You can sit down. Like I said, you can move however you feel. Just take this time and worship God. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.